and welcome to the Captain Not Captive podcast. I'm your host and creator, Ashley Wilson. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I hope to inspire you in your relationships, parenthood, career, and navigate the full human experience. I truly believe you have what it takes to create and live the life you've always dreamed of. You are the captain of your choices, no matter where you came from or what's in your past. I'm not saying I have all of the answers, but I'm here to pour love, lessons, and tactical advice to bring you new perspectives into who you were truly meant to be, all while having some fun. Let's do this. Hi, welcome back to Captain Not Captive podcast. Today, we are talking about a topic that I'm calling building generational wealth, and I am not talking about money today. We are going to be talking about some things that kind of correlate with the idea of when we think back to our childhood and the things that had happened, maybe we thought like, oh my goodness, like the way that my mom or my dad or my grandparents did that or the choices that they had made when I was a kid really affected me long term, right? Because the things that we experienced as a child, either directly or indirectly, relate to the way that we function today. It's the way that we parent our own children, right? And it's like, how do you learn or how do you know how to decode that? How do you know how to unlearn those things, right? And and quite transparently, I don't have all of those answers. But today I want to give you my thoughts and my ideas on what I'm doing in real time to try to make sure that like I'm not scarring my kids or I'm not giving them a reason to have childhood trauma. Okay. And like I said, definitely not an expert. However, I think some of these will be super helpful for you who really want to know and understand, like, how are you actually doing these things, right? Like, how do you consistently show up for your kids in a way that isn't a reflection of what you were as a child, right? Because those natural reflexes that either consciously or subconsciously are there, right? How do you make the right choice in those moments? And Like I said, I don't have it all together. I have bad moments. We all do as parents, but I hope to be able to help you and give you the tools and resources that hopefully help you and make you feel better and give you the confidence that you can be the parent that you needed as a child. So first I want to start by talking about emotional attachments. And the reason why is because the way that we are emotionally attached to our parents has so much to do with the way that we treat other people, with the way that we build our own personal relationships, um, the way that we build our romantic relationships, the career that we choose. I mean, like the list goes on and on and on. And I'm, I'm not saying I have it all figured out when it comes to emotional attachments, because there's still so much that I have to learn in this category. But let's first specifically talk about our emotional attachments with our kids. And the way that this really is different, I guess, for us is we have two completely different kids. And I'm sure if you guys have more than one, you understand that your kids are completely separate. And and maybe they have some things in common, right? Like every kid likes to be hugged. Every kid likes to be verbally praised, right? But in terms of like trying to figure out what these specific emotional attachments are, can be really hard, especially when they're really little. So if you're wondering, like, am I creating the best emotional attachment with my kid? I would say personally, if your kid is less than two years old, um, most of the time when they're two and under, it's pretty consistent, right? It's, you know, being a positive influence. It's not physically abusing them. It's, um, 
listening to them when they have something to say, even if you don't really understand what they're saying, or if you think that they're crying for a reason that is not valid to you, right? Just listening to them and hearing them out, that's really important to them at that age. Um, I mean, and obviously as they get older, it's important too, but, um, I would say once both of our girls turned like two and a half, that's really when I started to be able to understand what makes them emotionally attached, right? How do I secure that this relationship will give them that quote unquote generational wealth in the future? And I'm not talking about money, right? But I'm saying the people who love the most or love the best in the, in the healthiest way, right? Not by abandonment, not by avoidance, but love genuinely and love because they showed up for you love because they feel safe secure and protected right that emotional attachment with your kids that is going to then when they grow up be able to help them build these secure safe protected relationships right and that's the generational wealth that I'm talking about how do we grow forward how do we continue to build these relationships with our kids to make sure that when they grow up they get to build those safe secure protected relationships right because transparently as a kid I don't think I ever felt completely safe I don't think I ever felt completely secure um in in and quite honestly, there's really nothing I can do about that now, but it's realizing that I have to change the narrative. I have to become that safe, secure, protected place for my kids. And that doesn't always come naturally when that wasn't the environment you grew up in, right? And in some of those, like those basic, like food, shelter, water things, right? Like those are the easy things. When I was a kid, it was consistently thrown in my face. Like I feed you, I give you water and you have a roof over your head. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. But also like, I do not feel emotionally okay. I do not feel physically okay. I actually feel physically afraid for my life a lot. You know, like those kinds of things, that's the difference between the way that I was raised and the way that my kids are raised. And I hope that you feel this. I hope that you or like, yes, actually 100%, I feel you. And, and you feel confident that this is also the way that you're raising your kids. So that way those emotional attachments can build upon that generational wealth that you are passing down to your kids, right? And hopefully they continue to build on that and, and grow their skills because I'm not perfect. I know that there probably are times where I don't handle situations in the best way. But the better that I can be for my kids, the more that I improve myself, the better life that they can have and that they can pass on to their children, right? And they can continue to build upon that generational wealth of those emotional attachments. And second, this is directly correlated with emotional attachment to your kids, but also the emotional attachments that you have with your spouse. And so people say that the emotional attachment you have with your spouse is very similar to the way that you had an emotional attachment with your parents, which sounds kind of weird and creepy, but like, if you guys just read into it, you'll know, promise. And I can tell you 100% that that is not true for me and my husband. (laughs) Um, The relationship that him and I have and the reason why we are emotionally attached is very different compared to the way that our parents were emotionally attached to their spouses and the way that we were emotionally attached to our parents, right? Very, very different Um, on on a bunch of different levels. And I think Devin and I should probably do an episode about that because I think you guys would really like it. But So this next topic that I want to talk about is a question that I actually frequently ask during interviews, 
And I think you guys will find this super interesting. So I asked the question, do you inherently trust or is trust something that people have to earn? And the reason why I asked that question is because I want to know how your brain works. I want to know, do you have the availability in your brain? Do you have the, the space in your heart to be able to inherently trust people? And if you don't, if people have to earn that, what does that mean to you? Does that mean that you have to earn other people's trust as well and that's a mutual understanding? Or are you that special person who says, yes, you should trust me inherently, but you have to earn my trust, right? And and the way that that question makes me know so much about you just by saying, yes, I inherently trust or yes, you have to earn my trust, right? That question is so interesting to me because that tells me so much about the way that your brain works and how hesitant you are, number one, to be working on a team, and number two, to be able to function with other people, right? And and for you, what does earning trust look like? For you, what does it mean for you to earn other people's trust? You know, for other people to trust you. How does this reflect not only in in your work, but also at home, right? Does that mean that you're teaching your kids not to inherently trust? Are you telling your kids that everybody's untrustworthy, right? Like, what does this mean for you? And how, how deep-rooted does this inherently versus earning trust thing go, right? And, and I think something that I'm trying to instill in my kids, which is very difficult, is I want them to inherently trust. However, I want them to feel like they need to be a trustworthy person at the same time, right? So yes, they can inherently trust other people. And yes, sometimes it's going to bite them in the ass. I get that. It happens. But you know what? It is so much better to go through the world trusting other people and and not to the extent where you are not paying attention or not um, being cautious, right? Like there's a difference there, right? But I want them to feel as if 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 they are confident enough in themselves, if they know deep down in their soul that they can trust themselves, that they can also trust other people, right? And that comes from that emotional attachment, right? Because over time, as your kid can trust you, they learn to trust themselves. And if they can do that, then they can learn how to trust other people and build those emotional attachments with other people, right? So now we're not only building the generational wealth of emotional attachment between mother and child or father and child, but also mother and father, right? And now they're seeing that emotional attachment between mother and others. And now they can do self and others. And how beautiful is that? How wonderful is that? And that's not going to come to fruition for a really long time. Um, but I'm hoping as as we're raising our girls that we can show them. And my husband transparently isn't the greatest at this topic. He's very much not an inherently trust kind of person. Um, he, he's very picky and choosy on who he inherently trusts more than I am. (laughs) I'll say that. Um, he only inherently trusts a few people and, and that's, we're getting somewhere. (laughs) He's also a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. Our girls are a work in progress, right? It's all about how do we continue learning and growing together as a family? So, um, 
But I hope you can ask yourself that question. Do I inherently trust? Do I have to earn other people's trust? Do people have to earn my trust? And have I built a brick wall there because of the way that my childhood was? Did I have avoidance as a child with other people because I was let down so many times? Was I let down so many times that I just don't trust other people ever? And how can I learn how to do that, right? How can I build these foundational relationships, right? And not just with myself, right? Starting with self and then building these relationships with other people, like my spouse, like my children, like my community, right? How cool is that? Like, how interesting is that topic? I could talk about that topic all day. But anyway, um, our our next thing that I kind of want to talk about, um, it's not tangible, right? Like, there's no, in this episode today, we're not talking about tangible generational wealth. We're talking about creating assets that aren't tangible items, right? These assets that are foundational that will take our kids through their next generation that they can pass down to their kids, right? These things that we needed as kids that just weren't there, right? How do we build these these foundational, emotional, safe, secure, protected attachments, right? Um, and one of those is allowing your children to create new ideas. And sometimes that's hard because when we're living on a day-to-day basis, we're in a hurry where sometimes when your kid is trying to do something new or they're trying to do something messy, right? You see all the time, like, let your kids get messy. Let your house be messy. And that's really hard to do because we want our house to be clean and we don't want our kids to make a mess, right? Because if we let them make a mess, then we have to give them another bath and all these kinds of things, right? But allowing them to be creative and have new ideas. And also something that I've noticed is having a conversation back and forth while they're having ideas and asking them questions through their ideas and building and drawing that out of them, really, long-term, I've noticed my kids get more creative. My kids have the option of how do I build upon what I can already see? I see it, I do it, I can touch it. But also, what can I create on top of that that I can't see, feel, and do, right? Like, that going forward in future generations and allowing them to have that self-expression, allowing them to feel as if their thoughts and their patterns and their creations are valid and worthy, right? Like that is something that I definitely miss as a child, right? Allowing them to finish their sentences before you cut them off. That's huge. I, I tell my kids all the time, please let me finish speaking before you talk. And I try very intentionally to not interrupt them or not cut them off when they're talking because I want them to feel seen and heard and understood. Even if I think what they're saying is silly or if I do have to tell them what they're saying is incorrect. Like a lot of times our kids, we talk about our schedule or we talk about what our plans are and I have to tell them, I'm sorry, that's not the plan. Or, you know, the way that... um, the way that you think this is going to go, unfortunately, is not going to go that way. This is what we're going to do. And I have to, you know, correct them and tell them, hey, this is not, this is not correct. But I don't do that by cutting them off. As soon as they're not correct in the situation, I try not to cut them off. I try to listen and hear them out and, and understand the way that they're processing in their brain. And I think that's really important for kids. I know as a, 
as a kid myself, I would hate when people would cut me off. I hate it as an adult, right? I'll be at work in a meeting and, and you'd be surprised how many times people, just adults, will cut you off. And I'm like, will you please just let me finish? And I think part of that is deep-rooted from my childhood that I never felt seen or heard. And so passing that on to my kids, building that generational wealth of just feeling seen, heard, and understood, right? That is so important. And so I don't even, like, I feel a warm hug right now. Like, I literally feel like I'm giving myself the warm hug that I needed as a kid. I feel like I'm giving myself that grace and compassion that I needed as a kid. And the only way that that's going to happen is by understanding the situation and changing that for my kids, right? Um, and and the, one of the last topics here is allowing them to love themselves. And this is a really, really hard topic, especially when you have um, a shared shared household, I guess you could say. Um, When you have a shared household, it's really hard because you know that the exact same way that you're raising your kids is not the exact same way that the other parent is raising their kids. And that can become really difficult. And I'm not saying that we don't have a good shared parenting relationship because we we definitely do. Like with Delilah's mom, we have an amazing relationship, Um, but it comes with really hard challenges. And trying to teach young women to love themselves is really difficult. And in quite transparency, it's really hard to teach Delilah to love herself when consistently over and over she hears from a parent that she's fat or she's ugly. Or when we take pictures, you know, tries to have Delilah stand in front of her to cover her body. And she says it out loud. That is really hard. That is really hard to try to teach my children to love themselves when they're seeing people out in the world say that. When they're seeing, you know, women out in the world not being who they are, right? And that's why a lot of times, like, I go to work without makeup on. So that way my daughters can see that I can do things without having my hair done, without having my makeup done, right? Without having the perfect outfit on. I don't have to look great all of the time. And my girls get to see that from me, and I get to be that example for them. Loving themselves is really hard when I came from an environment that said, you know, skinny is the best. Your smallest version of yourself is the best. And I've talked a little bit about this, but um, loving myself is, is a journey and has been really hard for me. And trying to show my own daughters, my own girls, that they can love themselves and that they don't have to go through their lives wondering why their body looks the way that it does. And it's those consistent reminders that they're beautiful the way that they are, right? Those verbal affirmations. It's not saying negative things about myself, right? Being an example for them. How do I show them physically? How do I show them? This is how I take care of myself. And it's by um, having a good balance between um, body movement and eating habits, but also showing them that like I will always... At every birthday party and at every wedding, I will have cake and I might have more than one piece. And it's not, it's not saying that. Like, I don't say that out loud to my kids. Hey, look, I'm eating a piece of cake. I'm allowed to have this. I don't even say that. I just eat it. I don't tell them, hey, look, I'm going to go work out so that way I'm smaller. I do not say that. They will ask me, why are you working out? And I'll tell them, because it makes me feel good. 
And it does because it gives me energy because it makes me feel good. And I want them to feel that way. How do I feel good in my body? Well, mom feels good in her body by eating things that are good for her body, but also allowing herself to eat, you know, desserts, allowing herself to eat popsicles whenever she wants, but also drinking plenty of water and also trying, (laughs) this one's kind of hard, trying to get good sleep, right? Being that example for them, also giving them verbal affirmations that they are beautiful the way that they are, that's what I'm doing to try to show my girls how to love themselves. And I don't know if it's working perfectly. The society we live in makes it really hard, right? But those are two things that I'm doing that my mom never did, right? She would like start, and she still does. She would starve herself and then she would binge eat and then she'd starve herself and she'd binge eat and all these kinds of things, right? Like she would like not eat all day. And then at dinner time she would eat like a giant meal from McDonald's, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and she like still does that, which still doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand that. And I never, I never will. Cause I get, I have to eat breakfast. <laughs> if I don't eat breakfast, I'm pretty hangry all day. But anyway, kind of flipping that narrative and showing them what is possible, right? What works for mom? What makes her feel good? And it's not being the smallest version of myself. I'm not the smallest version of myself, but I love myself today more than I've ever loved myself. And it's not because I look any different. It's because I feel different. It's because I choose to feel different. I choose to love myself. And I get to show my kids that I choose to love myself. And I hope that you have that as well. So I know today's episode is a little bit longer than normal. Um, So I will wrap all of this up in a bow for you. But today, I hope you take forward the confidence to build that generational wealth for your kids, those emotional attachments with yourself, with your kids and with your spouse and with those around you. I hope that you ask yourself the question, am I inherently trusting or do I make people earn my trust and vice versa, right? Do people inherently trust me or do I make people earn the trust, right? How do we create those assets that aren't tangible items? How do we generate new ideas in our kids? How do we get them to love themselves, right? How do we do these small acts every day like not interrupting them by asking them questions, by making them feel loved. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to today's episode and I will see you next week on the podcast.